0: Welcome to the new episode of Civis Spachem, dear listeners. The podcast about transatlantic security and American foreign policy. Today is 13th of December, and we have a special episode for you. Usually, we discuss conflict and security on our podcast, but today we have a special topic to cover: British elections that took place yesterday. Because security cannot be fully comprehended without broader context, we cannot omit such milestone event in British history or, in a more broader context, in a transatlantic history. So, today I am alone, unfortunately, without my co-host, Vava, sit down with a special guest from the United Kingdom, my fellow student at JFKI, Mabon, uh, to discuss these historical elections, the future of the UK and Brexit. So, stay with me and we are ready to begin. So today I'm here with my guest Mabon uh, from the United Kingdom to talk about like last elections, but first just introduce yourself
1: um, So I'm Mabon, i from Wales in the United Kingdom. So obviously being in the United Kingdom like Brexit, you, you just can't escape it Yeah, it's in every kind of everywhere in the news every single day. So it's kind of something you have to kind of, yeah, yeah, it's, it's attention grabbing
0: and so, like so much stuff, like happened, like during like last year, last two years, you know, and it's actually crazy when you think about that. And now, actually, you have some new like page, like you know, you kind of like end like this history you now. No, open new page with this election, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um,
1: obviously, coming to Germany, I've actually realised how much Brexit actually is a European yeah. kind of phenomenon because it's kind of, I think maybe the last decade, of European politics is defined by the populist movement. We yeah. and I think. Brexit in the UK was like the pinnacle, the the outcome yeah. of the populists. of the, the populists literally won. Yeah. I think lots of European countries now are looking at you know, it like, with confidence. Yeah. Like Marine Le Pen, for example said Brexit's maybe the most significant political event since the yeah. world war,
0: war. It's like cause earthquake like in Europe. Exactly, now there's like, yeah. in
1: Dutch they're like nexit, that's, it's going to be exit, yes. so maybe nexit, gregsit. Yeah, Grexit. <laughs> everything.
0: But now <laughs> let's, let's um, turn to elections. Yeah, of course. So in order to kick, uh, kick our conversation, um, let's just listen to uh, Boris Johnson's speech, uh, victory speech this morning, in order to like, get the setting what actually happened in the UK. Thank you
1: all, thank you all very much for coming. Well, my friends, good morning everybody, my friends, well, we did it, we did it, we pulled it off, didn't we? We pulled it off. We, we broke the deadlock. We ended the gridlock. We smashed the roadblock. And in
0: this glorious, glorious pre breakfast moment, before a new dawn rises on a new day and a new government, I want to congratulate absolutely everybody involved in securing the biggest Conservative
1: majority since the 1980s. Which was <laughs> literally, literally. literally, literally as i look around literally before many of you were born
0: and uh, with this mandate and this majority we will at last be able to do what and let's let's talk about results so uh, we got uh, clear majority conservative majority landslide victory uh, best results since teacher. so what do you think about that like
1: well i i kind of Thought he would get a majority, seeing how the election campaign was going. Because obviously Johnson had all these setbacks about you know, saying things about women, about homosexuals, racists yeah. But kind of like the Trump campaign, he just kept yeah. the the kind of polling kind of stayed the same. So for that reason, I thought they'd get a majority, but the landslide I could have like, never predicted.
0: Yeah, I mean, at the same time, if you look personally at uh, Boris Johnson, it's kind of like a comeback because like mm. everyone like, thought like no, like this guy is be- like definitely done politically. You no, know? mm-hmm. no one expected like such good results. Um, but let's um, it's just like what what happened with Corbyn? Like, was it like just about like Brexit uh, thing? Like, the Labour Party couldn't actually get enough like
1: votes. What is the interesting thing about Corbyn is? For the um, the most of his um, political career, he has been for Brexit. Yeah, because I think the UK was entered into the I think in, back in the day was so, but you back in this 1975, I think. Yeah, Corbyn, amongst lots of left-wing politicians, were against it because the European Economic Area was seen to be this capitalist club yeah. which promoted free trade, which would damage kind of industrial workers yeah. in the UK. And the show that actually proved to be true after Thatcher came in; she was promoting neoliberal policies. Mm-hmm. Which really crippled the base of society was all the industrial areas. Yeah. So for that reason, I think Corbyn's been pretty much well, not because obviously Brexit, because Brexit wasn't a thing before the thing, but he was always really sympathetic yeah. towards leaving the European Union. And in the 2017 um election, the year after the Brexit referendum, he was highly respectful of this. He said, Right, we're going to leave, fine. But then so many of the Labour Party were like they wanted they want to push in yeah. a second referendum, there was dissent, so they were there was chaos basically. So as the as we draw to two years later to mm-hmm. yesterday's election, he kind of softened his stance to get some bit more um, mm-hmm. harmony in his party, and then I think that proved to be a massive, massive backfire. Back-back massive, yeah. Huge, huge.
0: I person. mean, yeah, now he's kind of politically, I guess, uh, done because mm, I mean, 100%. very like worst results. He definitely can't take a
1: party further like than like
0: that. He- since 1920s, like, worst results, worst results in, like, the Labour Party, like, in decades and decades, so, so, um, yeah, I guess, like, this uh, idea to stick to the second referendum probably massive, just, like, killed, But yeah. So, um,
1: well, the thing is, because the Conservatives, I don't know if you know this, like, what Conservatives do a lot of the campaigns, they have this phrase they repeat all the time. Yeah. In 2017, May was strong and stable, strong and stable, blah, blah, blah. Then this campaign, through the whole campaign, it was get Brexit done. Every single yeah. speech is get Brexit done, get Brexit done, and they were the only party that took Brexit seriously. Yeah. Labour did not take it seriously enough. He thought, you know, the public—they didn't know what they were voting mm-hmm. for—and that's that's where it was very, very dangerous territory because Labour almost showed distrust in the public in the first yeah. referendum. So, you know, that's very, very dangerous territory in the democracy. Yeah. You show you, you do not trust the people and what they that's think. Is going to come back come back to you and obviously mm-hmm. this has yeah. backfired massively the people have spoken um, again so you think
0: like this uh, conservative victory and defeat of labor party is kind of like um like the result of like the idea that those uh, elections were primarily about uh, brexit
1: without a doubt without a, a doubt. and i
0: guess what Labour Party like didn't actually get that it's not about Brexit, it's about like this left idea. But okay, uh, let's let's come back to this point. Like, is like Labour, this ide- uh, this like left idea also dead? Like in,
1: in, in the UK? I yeah, think the left idea is dead. I because I'm a massive fan of Corbyn in terms of policies. Like, I agree with most of his principles and how he's fought like for justice. He fought like against justice inequality yeah. his whole life. But I just think in the UK, especially like the Spectrum he cannot be too hard on the left as a yeah. leader, I think that was all that was always the thing I held him back. Great ideas, but as leadership. But you cannot criticise him for being used because his whole career he's been a backbench MP, never been in any just MP for Islington North. Yeah. Kind of, he's on the fringes of the party. And then that in after Ed Miliband left, he kind of went for leadership, but not, not seriously. Yeah. He just kind of wanted to bring, you know, his hard left policies to the table and then the Grassroots loved him because he has now he has some kind of rock star stuff. Yeah, that's yeah, true, but true. he's like, We're watching a football game on Monday actually, or Tuesday in Liverpool, and yeah. the fans are all singing, oh, oh yeah. Jeremy Corbyn. He's like, he's like a thousand people to- to because Liverpool
0: to-. is just a, basically Stronghold, exactly. Like, and like, then the Labour Party, he's like, he has a massive,
1: yeah, thing, um, social media following, yeah, so he had a big grassroots support, but when he got when he became leader, his kind of lack of judgment and just kind of political nows yeah. really is what really held him back. Not to criticise him because I'm not because he's, he's just not a leader. Yeah. He was put there, but it's a question of who couldn't, else. There's always a question of who else. Couldn't <laughs>
0: manage to do this.
1: No,
0: no, no. Uh, so I guess like wrapping up like the session about like just uh, um, elections and switch to like move to uh, like post Brexit so, like and just not post Brexit, but post election uh, politics in the UK.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So next big topic um, is about uh, post-Brexit. I mean, post-election, um, so world, so to speak. So, uh, I mean, now Brexit is definitely on the agenda and how uh, um, how Boris Johnson framed it. Like, he got a mandate. They're going to do it. They're going to, like, get Brexit done, so to speak, as they frame it. Um, but what's next, you know, after Brexit? What's next? I mean, it's like a new trade deal with the EU or it's something else. What What are the priorities?
1: Well, I think this is why... Conservative majority is so massive because Boris Johnson can get his deal through now yeah. as he wants with no opposition from any anyone yeah. in the House of Commons. So I think, well, I'm assuming his deal that he'd already agreed with the principle yeah. will go ahead and be negotiated. But I've seen some articles in the news saying it won't get done until like 2021. But I think mm-hmm. this is something that will become clear in the next few days, really, yeah. But in terms of the Labour Party, I literally have no idea. But people say not this go more central, but I yeah. think Corbyn actually raised a good point today because even if it was more central, the fact was they got their Brexit policy wrong. Even if the guy was even yeah. if it was Tony Blair, for example, yeah. if he would have not respected the referendum results, I'm not no, saying it was as bad, but Conservative would have had another majority. So it doesn't really matter on this election was not lost on political stance. Yeah. It is about Brexit and the, and the question of democracy itself. Yeah, their approach to this this issue, which is defining UK politics, and probably will define UK politics for many decades.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's definitely a new chapter in uh, British history, and I mean, in yeah. European history as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, but like, what are priorities of Conservatives? Like, I guess like um, um, Johnson talks a lot about something like with the health insurance system mm-hmm. or something like. That. Can you like a little bit elaborate on this?
1: Well, one of the big things in the campaign was Corbyn got hold of documents. Um, We've seen preliminary U.S. and U.K. trade talks. So in any trade agreement, the U.S. demanded that their pharmaceutical yeah. companies can sell their drugs to, them, mm-hmm. to the U.K. hospitals, basically. There was notions of privatization, um, not selling the NHS as a whole. I don't think yeah. it will be sold as a whole. But I think what is a classic neoliberal, neoliberal kind of policy is to kind of make the NHS kind of like a, the, kind yeah. of the lower class kind of institution to... Encourage people to go private, yeah. So to maintain that kind of class system, okay. encouraging people to work hard and get yeah. a better, better, get health better care, healthcare, basically. and the health, NHS will be this for very so. basic yeah. kind of long waiting queue, mm-hmm. not nothing desirable at all. Yeah. this is coming kind of his plan.
0: Okay, definitely.
1: But yeah, the, I think the NHS is going to be in huge trouble because the NHS is probably, I believe, one of the best things to, to ever come out of British, yeah. British democracy. It really, really, really is, and. That's that's one really, really sad thing if he, yeah, just, just just for American businesses to run it as you
0: can. Yeah. Yeah, I mean and internationally I guess like uh things gonna happen, some uh, new trade deal with European Union that's uh, after Brexit gonna be done. But also trade deal with the US, trade deal with China yeah. and some other uh countries. What do you think about that? Like do you think it's like like it's not a question that it's beneficial or not, but maybe like uh whether you see like the UK forming like all this new trade uh, course, alliances.
1: I think a lot of people in the UK don't actually realise how obviously we want to trade with um, Europe, but Europe definitely yeah. want to trade with UK as well. I think the statistic about maybe of like, most, all the top um, companies in the world, like maybe the top hundred or eighty percent of their European headquarters are in London. Yeah. So like London is still a, a big, huge financial yeah. centre, which which has an effect over a lot of Europe, so it's not the fact, obviously there's this rhetoric on who's going to want to trade with us as this island nation, but it kind of works both ways in a way. I think they'll figure something out, but we'll see.
0: But how do you see like uh, British economy evolving after the Brexit? Because I mean uh, there are some like data that uh, it's not going to be very good uh, after the Brexit no. But you think it's going to stabilise and at a certain point it's um, going to get well. Well,
1: this is why it's really hard to tell because no country's ever left yeah. the European Union. So this is why it's so much confusion going on. Yeah, so this is why nobody knows how to handle it. Obviously, you can tell, you know, you can blame it for, yeah. separate for anything, but if there's nothing to learn from, how yeah. do you mean? That's why it's such a, such a, such a complex issue. Yeah. But in terms of the economy, well, what's One thing why the elites in London and the UK in general wanted to leave the EU was um, the EU are bringing in um, laws on tax evasion and London's obviously yeah. the home of tax evasion tax, and money laundering yeah. through the city of London, so I think maybe Brexit will actually, you know, maybe help London grow in that sense as a big international power, but yeah. on the other hand, you know, a lot, the EU does bring a lot of investment into the poorer areas of the country. And maybe under a, a Labour government, okay, an argument, maybe that Brexit Labour government, we could, re, you know, re maybe, yeah. but Boris Johnson yeah. <laughs> doesn't seem the kind of guy that would want to help the working classes by a long stretch.
0: Yeah, and I guess, like, the, the last point that's uh, also, like, was, like, the Boris Johnson agenda. Like, do you think it actually... Um, this results kind of unite like people, you know, in terms of like now we gonna get this Brexit done. Then we move to something else, and I mean, at least we kind of close this chapter like our well, history.
1: Well, hopefully, because I think this surely is, you know, the beginning of the end yeah. of Brexit. Like this surely now means we have to have to get it done. So yeah, maybe in a sense that we all get united. Obviously, there'll be some Ramona still bickering, but I think. Well, but not until it's done. I think, and then maybe the long-term effects of Brexit—that's yeah. th- another question. That's another exactly. So who knows what the long-term effects will be? Obviously, for the big bankers of the City of London, they'll yeah. always be fine. Do you know what I mean? okay. But for the working classes who voted Brexit, this would be control. For. You know, yeah. if they if they turn out to be right, then that's, yeah. that's very very unsure. Yeah. yeah.
0: So um, while Brexit is probably definitely like, like mostly uh, already done, so to speak, but like the politics doesn't stop, and we move to another point. It's what would probably at stake at this in this election? It's also the unity of the Great Britain. Absolutely, it's another exciting uh, topic. Um, That's like result of this election. It's uh, definitely the unity of the UK. Um and to give you a perspective, um, uh, let's uh, listen to some um, part of the talk of uh, the leader of the uh, Scottish National Party. Well, what's your name? Oh, I always you know. Um, Nicola Sturgeon. Yeah, yeah, it's just like, uh, in order to kick our conversation on uh, this topic.
1: It's been an exceptional night for the SNP and, you know, Scotland has sent a very clear message. We don't want a Boris Johnson Conservative government. We don't want to leave the European Union. And we want Scotland's future to be in Scotland's hands. That's the message of this election in Scotland.
0: So, like, what's what's your impression in terms of like unity? I mean, Scottish National Party got uh, uh, 48 seats. Mm-hmm. It's a lot. It's a big chunk of seats for Scottish National Party. It's like what she says is a clear message. We need some referendum and probably we don't want to be part of the UK. So which, what's you? I mean, this is actually, it gets crazy, right? Of course. Uh, post Post-Brexit world. So what do you think, like...
1: So, uh, yeah, well, I think the argument she made was Scotland, like the voting vote pattern of Scotland is not compatible with the s yeah. So they can vote, you know, every S&P, for example, and, you know, with a conservative majority, yeah. they, they don't have a voice in, in Westminster. That's how they're acting. You know, the Sc- it seems to exist yeah. really as a people or, or a state or a democracy if there's zero in Parliament, so I think this is why they're campaigning so for a referendum. But obviously, on the topic of referendums, they have to be sanctioned by yeah. UK government at the, end of the day. And I think referendums are traditionally in the UK very generational. Yeah. So I don't. I, I would love to. Obviously, as a Welsh person, I would, yeah. After after yesterday, I would definitely like like, like independence in the near future. And I would love that Scotland did as well. But obviously, take Catalonia for example, the people held their own left yeah. referendum, but. There's nothing legally binding about it. So even, the, however, if you agree with the Cat- Catalonians and their independence fight, kind of the lack of Legiti- their lack of kind of legislative kind of Legit- legitimacy, yeah, legitimacy so. as well. That, that makes it very, very tough for them. But I think what's more interesting about this is about Ireland, because yeah. Belfast, which was very kind of traditionally yeah. a Unionist area, has voted for the Republicans for the first time in about since the 1800s. So that is something really, really solid in Ireland.
0: I mean, they're like main nationalists, so to speak, you know, mm. the main nationalists, so to th- yeah.
1: Obviously, one of the big Brexit bases has been the backstop stop uh, agreements on whether to draw a border between, obviously, North and South. I think Boris Johnson's deal is to, not quite a frictionless border, but there will be some stops, and that kind of goes against yeah. the Good Friday Agreement, which I think is probably one of the best outcomes of UK politics yeah. the last 30 years, that peace process, which yeah. is... You know, change a really, really grim and horrible situation to something where they can coexist relatively peacefully, and this is the stupidity of the Brexit vote as well. Like David Cameron did not think this through.
0: But like, do you see some chaos, you know, happening in uh, actually Northern Ireland? You know, they can block their ports or something like this. Oh,
1: exactly. This could, you know, because even though there is peace, the tension still exists. There's people. You know, from the troubles that's still living now yeah it, the generation hasn't quite faded away yet, so it's, it's very, very risky to playing with play with the good Friday agreement, because yeah. as the Irish have shown you know yeah I they, mean they can they, they use military force
0: yeah I mean we can definitely return to some um yeah, military clash, I mean not military but uh, I mean some violence. Uh, that's what what is actually dangerous but um from your like Welsh perspective like so let's let's um, come to this point for a while like um uh, how do you see it like from the, the Welsh perspective
1: I think with Wales though, because people compare it to Scotland and Ireland and oh, it's not as strong, but there are some reasons, obviously because Wales has been kind of colonized by England since about twelve eighty two for example so like in terms of statehood, we have nowhere near the same kind of History of Scotland or Ireland in that yeah. sense, and obviously when you go to Scotland, for example, it's like north of Newcastle, there's about an hour and hour and a half drive, yeah. and then you get to the c- cities, and then Wales and England are so similar. You Cardiff there, and there's Bristol, hour yeah. away, and, and then and this is same. Liverpool is the capital of North yeah. Wales because that is like the main kind of metropolis in the North yeah. Wales area. So, not just we rely on England, we're like more culturally kind of united because you know they'll, obviously there'll be movement with people. Because that's yeah. what people do realise, because you see the Conservative seats that we won by Wales yes. are actually, the vast majority of them are actually English. If you go mm-hmm. to like areas in the countryside in West Wales, like you go to like town villages there, mm-hmm. and like, pretty much everyone there is English. There's a lot more of a kind of cultural kind of mix of Welsh and English which kind of makes the independence yeah. argument a bit harder. Okay. Exactly. But also yes. what people don't realise is because Welsh people mm-hmm. has this language, unlike Scotland and Ireland, we have quite a big language. Welsh language speaking population of about 20%. But obviously, that means the nationalists' movement divided into you've got the Welsh speakers, yeah. Welsh speaking Welsh, and then English speaking Welsh, and the Welsh speakers, Welsh would be like, <laughs> oh, we're more Welsh than you are. Yeah. <laughs> this kind of causes a rift. Even though it's good to have our language, it kind of splits yeah. the movement in two. And Scotland, obviously, they're all English speaking, so maybe not as culturally kind of heritage in yeah. there, but they can unite over something, as you can see, with 54 out of 59 seats.
0: 59 seats. Yep. The narrative
1: in Wales is changing because before Brexit, like, in the poll about 7 8%, yeah. and after Brexit, it's now about 25 to 30 which is not so much pro-Wales, it's anti Westminster, and that's yeah. the kind of rhetoric that Adam Trois, like a is kind of using now, so I think this is something will definitely continue to rise is to becoming anti westminster yeah. that, that's, that's the...
0: So it's, like, the heated topic for, like, British politics, I guess, for uh, next years, definitely. Mm-hmm. And, like, I guess, um, um, like, final point in our discussion, I wanted to ask you, like, can you personally a little bit. So um, what's what's about, like, British identity, you know, in general? Is it still European to a certain extent or, or uh, yeah?
1: This is really interesting because I think the f- in the actual original EU, I think created by Charles de Gaulle, it wasn't called the EU, but... Um, the UK was an act, was actually yeah. left out, so obviously people are in uproar. And then Charles de Gaulle actually said UK is not culturally yeah. European. Yeah. So obviously, obviously, I go to France, Germany, they, they, like they have so much more in common. Yeah. they have history of you know border. Obviously, some parts of Germany been in France yeah. before, and then obviously up Spain. So it's a lot more of a cultural kind of. Makes obviously Britain as is an island yeah. nation has being kind of, is, not kind of isolated, yeah. but it's kind of grown its own, I mean, physically, physically, yes, it's, it's, like it's by, geographical by, differences, yeah. obviously geography determines, it determines uh, kind of culture and how you are, so uh, that's, I do think UK is maybe not as, not, obviously it's the European, because I think they're yeah. more similar to Europeans than maybe Americans are, yeah. but not as European as like the, the continent, but you know, this is why I think Brexit is stupid, because even though we might not the cultural European, we still had our own currency, yeah. we weren't part of the Schengen yeah. zone either. So I thought, <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's why I think is crazy, because that's probably, maybe the two main <laughs> critics of the EU yeah. are the currency cool. and the borders. Which and two mean, things we
0: I mean, yeah. uh, the UK was very good at you know managing this European bureaucracy, I mean, it yeah. actually was very successful. Um, but yeah, that's how things are, and... Thanks for joining me today. Yeah, thanks for to this uh, so. wonderful talk. Yeah, very well. um, And um, uh, see you uh, next week, guys. Yeah. yeah um, thanks for yeah. Thanks for everything. So bye.